almost over. We are nearing the end. At least it feels that way. And whether or not you have ever run a marathon before, you probably feel like you can relate to a marathon runner who rounds that last corner and then they can see it. They can see the finish line. They're going down the home stretch. It's in sight. The end is near. At least it seems that way. We, we've endured this global pandemic for a year. Well, maybe we've endured it. <laughs> Some of us, we've been frustrated by it. We've grown impatient. Uh, we've struggled through it. But it seems like the end is getting a little bit closer. Um, vaccines are becoming more readily available as they continue to roll out. Some of the, the restrictions are being eased up and no matter where you stand personally or politically as far as the mandates and the executive orders, I think that all of us, we, we feel like we can breathe just a little bit easier. We can maybe be just a little bit more relaxed. I know it's, it's not quite over yet. I, I know there's, there's more that's to come that we're still going to be working through it. And I, and I certainly know that everything has changed, right? This global pandemic, it has left a mark on our culture and our society that isn't going to go away. It's changed all of us. It's going to be written in the history books. But it does seem like the end is getting closer. There's, there's more positivity that we're hearing. And as you think about that, as you think about the end of this global pandemic, for what are you most excited? For what do you most long What's your greatest desire as you think about coming to the end? Today, as we look at Jesus' famous last words from his cross, we are really nearing the end. We're nearing the end of this horrific ordeal that he endured on the cross. This true marathon of misery Soon, the, the mockery and the humiliation that Jesus suffered at the hands of people, both powerful and powerless, it would be over. Soon, the, the pain inflicted by the iron and the wood and the thorns, it would cease in the numbness and darkness of death. There he had been utterly forsaken by God, his heavenly Father, as we heard last week. But soon it would be over, and Jesus knew that the end was coming soon. And at the end, as Jesus speaks again, his words contain a, a deep sense of longing. 
a, a desire. Jesus said these simple words, I am thirsty. He wanted to drink something. And I don't think we can even call it like one last final bit of refreshment that he was going to receive, but he just wanted a little bit of that cheap drink that was available for those executioners who were there to just wet his dry and cracked lips just a little bit. And it's completely understandable, right? I mean, by this point in everything that Jesus had endured, certainly we can understand that, that his mouth was parched, that his throat was dry, that, that he would desire a drink in this long ordeal that had begun the night before with his overnight trial in front of the Jewish high priests. Think about how his mouth was probably just caked over with the dust and the dirt that he had inhaled as he slowly struggled and trudged up that hill to his place of execution. That dust and the dirt that had been kicked up by the feet of those soldiers as they pounded the nails into his wrists and his ankles. You can imagine the, the dehydration that he would feel hanging there on a tree, struggling to breathe and wanting something cool to touch his cracked and bleeding lips. And maybe we felt something like that. We know what it's like to, to be thirsty. You know what it's like when your mouth is, is itchy and dry and, and you just need a drink. Maybe you're, you're out hiking in a dry season in, in West Texas. Maybe Maybe it's when your lawnmower runs over that spot in your grass where the grass hasn't actually come in for a while. It's just dirt. <coughs> You're choking it all up, right? It's all in your mouth, the sand and the grit, and you just you need a drink to just wash all of that out. And if you can imagine that, well then, we probably have to multiply that by, I don't know, a hundred, a thousand times. It's actually get a sense for what Jesus probably felt like. And so it's completely understandable that he would ask for a drink, but far more important than understanding the physical need that Jesus had, far more important is for us to understand the grand spiritual reason why Jesus said these words, I am thirsty. Jesus wanted this drink because he prepared for the end. Listen again to the important details that John shares. And so if you're looking in a Bible or you're looking in our worship folder this morning, look at John chapter 19. John says, Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Do you ever wonder if what Jesus did on the cross was truly enough? Do you ever struggle to know 
just how much faith and, and trust you should put into Jesus and his work of going to that cross? Do you, do you ever struggle with wondering if, if there's something more that needs to be done or something more that, that you need to do? If you've ever had that question, right here you have your answer. Did Jesus do enough? Yes. All was now completed. Everything that needed to be done was done by Jesus. Jesus had drunk in fully the cup of God's wrath. Fully and completely, Jesus had, had drank it all in. And it was because Jesus drank that cup fully and completely, that cup of God's wrath, that was the cup that caused him to be so thirsty. Jesus had drank in the, the full cup of God's wrath over our sinfulness. Sinfulness that is so often caused because of our misplaced longings and our misplaced desires. Now, far too often we, we desire the wrong things. Or we desire the right things, but we desire them from the wrong places or in the wrong way. Oh, you long for the approval of your peers. You long for a sense of worth in your life, but, but you try to find that from other people rather than finding it in God's wonderful creation of you. And rather than looking to, to see how God might approve of your life, And you long for significance. But you desperately try to create that significance in your career. Or to construct it in the square footage of your home. Or to amass it in your financial accounts. You want to feel good. You want to enjoy life. But when feeling good and enjoying life comes into direct conflict with your care for others, then often you choose the selfish route. And that those selfish attitudes and behaviors that also results in sin and harm. You, you desperately want to have purpose and joy and fulfillment in your life, but too often you seek such things apart from God. Too often we thirst for what is not God and we long for what is not godly. And when we thirst and long after such things or in those ways, we drive ourselves farther and farther away from our God with those longings still unfulfilled. So my dear friends, Rejoice with me that Jesus said, I am thirsty.
Rejoice with me that he was there on that cross, that the very one who created water itself, he was going without it so that he was to the point of being parched where he could barely even speak. To utter these words, I am thirsty. And this drink that Jesus requested It was not some sort of selfish request. No, this was a completely selfless act by him as well, in which he had your good and my good in mind. It wasn't just to meet a physical need, though that physical need was certainly great. But no, there was a greater purpose behind these words. Jesus always had this this end goal of his life in mind, even now as he spoke those words. He didn't ask for this drink to dull his pain or to clear his senses. No, the pain was severe and it was real. And his senses, they were still focused on his purpose, his reason for being there on the cross. He didn't ask for this drink so that he he would somehow be able to endure it any longer, to give him strength, to sustain himself. That was not the purpose. And when Jesus said, I am thirsty, to have just this, this little bit of this cheap drink that was available there, just this little bit that would, that would wet his lips so that he could shout out his final victory cry, the next of Jesus' famous last words, it is finished. So that he could declare what he had completed there on the cross. And those words mean that you now have the approval of your God. Those words now mean that you know the greatest significance of your life. That your God was willing to die for you. That he bought you back with his own blood, worth far more than any amount of silver or gold or any amount in anyone's bank account. To know that you have a place of belonging in his kingdom and that he has filled you up with a life of purpose and a life of incredible joy as you live out those godly purposes. And so if you're here, if you're listening right now, if you're watching this, I long to impress upon you the complete confidence that you can have in all of that. The complete confidence because Jesus completed everything. John writes so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Did you know that there's no single scripture verse that actually says that the Christ would speak these words, I am thirsty from the cross? Last week, we were reminded how Jesus quoted from Psalm 22. Ron reminded us and told us that Jesus quoted from Psalm 22 when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Ron encouraged us in our next steps last week to read through that psalm in its entirety. And when you do, it is remarkable. It's incredible. The parallels and the direct references to Jesus and his time spent on the cross that you see in Psalm 22. 
In verse 15 of that psalm, by the way, that psalm written a thousand years before Jesus' life, and yet all these direct references and parallels. Verse 15 of that psalm says, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Now clearly, Jesus would be thirsty as he suffered on the cross. Psalm 69 is another psalm that's sometimes pointed to. Verses 20 and 21 there say, Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. And both of those psalms, they present truth and, and correlations to what we see in Jesus' words. But I think that in his biography of Jesus, John really wanted to drive home a much greater point. He wanted to drive home how Jesus had fulfilled, brought to completion, brought to its final goal, all of Scripture. Not just one remarkable and incredible psalm, but all of Scripture. All the things that had been written by psalm writers and history chroniclers and prophets that God had chosen and God had used to speak and proclaim and prophesy His plan to rescue and redeem the world. Jesus fulfilled all of it. He brought it all to completion so that you could have confidence in what Jesus has done for you. Jesus, the very Son of God, He brought God's plan to its epic conclusion. Complete were all the prophecies of a conquering hero who came to rescue His people from their sins because they were complete in Jesus who conquered through a cross. God's covenant, His promise of forgiveness, signed and sealed by the blood that was spilled from His veins on that day. All for you. All so that you could know peace and joy. Jesus didn't just endure that cross. He didn't just make it through to the end, but He completed your salvation, your rescue. And so as we near the end of our Lenten journey, as we we round the corner and, and we look towards the finish line, long to grasp this truth. Thirst to be filled with the peace that Jesus' cross brings. Deeply to desire for your heart to grasp these incredible truths and to know what your Savior Jesus has done for you. Long to hear His shout of victory from that cross. It is finished. Long to live your life with that completion carrying you through every single step that you take. Long for the opportunities that you will have to share Jesus' completed work with a soul that is desperately thirsting for hope. Because that's what Jesus brings. Jesus brings hope. 
Hope in His completed work on the cross. When Jesus neared the end and He said, I am thirsty, there really wasn't any positivity that surrounded that. Except for the good news that it is for us. There really wasn't any joy that could be found there in that moment except for the joy of knowing our sins were paid for, that our hearts are completely covered, that forgiveness is ours. Jesus really had no hope that he would breathe again. Except in the trust in God, His Heavenly Father, and the hope of a glorious resurrection from the dead. The same trust and hope that we now have because of Jesus. And yet what Jesus did there on the cross, it has changed us. It has left a mark on us far deeper than the mark that this pandemic is going to leave on our lives. It's left the mark of grace, the mark of forgiveness, the mark of God's love on our hearts. Because Jesus fulfilled all of Scripture. He completed everything that was necessary. And so when you think of that end, when you think of the end of Jesus' suffering and His death, And what it means for you, doesn't it change the things for which you long? The things for which you desire? Doesn't it lead you to to long for, to thirst for Jesus and His Word more and more so that it can fill you up each and every day? And then it changes you to long and thirst to live your life for the sake of your Savior to long and to thirst for the opportunities that you will have to hold forth this water of life to thirsty souls in desperate need. Jesus didn't just endure the cross. He didn't just make it through. Jesus completed and fulfilled everything that was necessary for your salvation.